All right, glad you're with us. Just 98 days to go until you're the ultimate jury. One week from today, we launch Live Free or Die, America, the world on the brink. I mean every word of it. And it's the definitive outline of all that is at stake, what makes this country great, what has historically made this country exceptional, that we advance the human condition in ways no other country on the face of this earth ever has. Freedom, ingenuity, the the ability to dig deep and strive and and bring your God-given talents to fruition. And uh, a lot of it, we're going to get into more violence, more madness, more insanity. I've been saying for days now that these liberal mayors, liberal cities elected for decades, you know, this is a preview of coming attractions. Biden, there's never been a candidate more left wing than Joe Biden. You've never seen a candidate that in a general election didn't at least try to move to the center. Biden, he he didn't have the Bernie people. He had to go back, reach back and, and make a deal and plagiarize his economic plan. AOC, new green deal. He's pledging trillions. And, of course, he, Pelosi, Schumer, 125 years of swamp failure. Then you add Bozo as the gun czar, confiscate gun czar. And that is that is what's at stake in 98 days. That's what live free or die America and the world on the brink is out. One week from today, we have a lot of announcements coming up on it. Hannity.com, Amazon.com. Um, before I get to the violence, I want to go back to coronavirus. I've been saying for days that you watch these liberal mayors. These governors, they're more interested in picking a fight with Donald Trump over the hundred or so troops, as you call federal agents, that have had to be put in place because the governors and the mayors are failing to protect these buildings. And the threats and the attempts and the violence and the, and the stated, the watched attempts to burn these buildings to the ground, they're not doing their job. Well, it's the president's authority to protect federal property you would think that donald trump sent in thousands of stormtroopers and gestapo because that's what democrats are saying the other lie that they're saying and they keep repeating is that oh this is not violence no this peaceful protest just a few little incidents here and there no it's not that it's never been that and they're lying about that why it's all about politics They're more interested in hurting Trump than exposing the failure of decades of liberal Democratic rule, which Joe Biden now represents for that party in 98 days. And the same can be said. We're now learning that a lot of the information we were fed about hydroxychloroquine is not true. You know, I I, I leaned heavily and I watched very, very, you know, um, very, very closely, the words of Dr. Daniel Wallace. You remember, I might, hopefully you might remember, board-certified rheumatologist, Cedars-Sinai Medical Center, Los Angeles, largest lupus practice in the U.S. He inherited in 1985, 2,000 patients with lupus. A majority of those patients are on hydroxychloroquine. 400, 400 peer-reviewed papers. It's hard to get a paper peer-reviewed. you got to be on your game. you got to write it. It's got to be... It's got to be looked at, every detail. He's, he's the premier expert on hydroxychloroquine. Now, I'm not a doctor. I'm not telling you that there are nuances in medicine, underlying conditions, high blood pressure, all of these things. Anyway, majority of patients now, he says, have taken hydroxychloroquine. He has a background in rheumatoid uh, arthritis, lupus, and 
He's written numerous articles on anti-malarials. And the most impressive thing, hydroxychloroquine, it's been around. It was approved in 1955. That's 65 years ago. Not been associated, his words, not mine, with any deaths in the recommended dose. 42 years of practice, no patient of mine has ever been hospitalized for a hydroxychloroquine complication. And he went on to say they don't obtain EKGs before prescribing it and never have had a problem, not one time. Uh, then he went on to talk about, you know, the, the long-term risk of using hydroxychloroquine after, you know, 10 years or five years, 0% of five years, taking it usually at higher doses of retinal toxicity. In other words, you, you, your sight becomes in, in, in play if you take it for that long a period of time, 1%, 10 years, 10%, 15 years, continuous use of the drug, and talks about uh, eye exams for those taking it. But then he went on to say the risk of taking hydroxychloroquine 400 milligrams a day following a 600 milligram hydroxychloroquine loading dose for 30 to 60 days, his words, not mine, is nil unless one has an allergic rash or an upset stomach. That's what he said. And uh, and then he went on to say that uh, 30 to 60 days, nobody was prescribing hydroxychloroquine for 30 to 60 days. The most I heard ever was 14 days. That's all I heard. Now, we learned that the doctor behind this study that was most cited by the mob in the media, uh, this doctor apparently in his residency at Duke University Medical Center, and he, you know, seized the moment. He produced two studies in May that instantly disrupted multiple clinical trials amid the pandemic. One of the studies... Particularly dramatic, reporting anti-malarial drugs like hydroxychloroquine, which President Trump promoted, were linked to increased deaths of COVID-19 patients. The study has now been retracted by the renowned journals that stupidly, irresponsibly, recklessly published them weeks after researchers around the world suggested all of this data was dubious. But they printed them anyway, and then the media mob, oh, Trump likes it, we got to hate it. If Trump wants law and order, we got to oppose Trump. Well, you know, Dr. Oz said it best. You know, you go to army, you go to war with the army you have, not the one you wish you had. This, you know, the, the ideal scenario is we didn't have China lie to the world like they did. That we would have been able to go and help them early and stop it there, which we could have done successfully. But that didn't happen. And then the world suffered. And it was all hands on deck. And I'm, we've never had a bigger, faster, larger medical mobilization in the history of mankind. But we were able to get every ventilator, every mask, every gown, glove, shield, you name it. We built it. We had it. And, you know, we're hanging by a thread. I'm not going to tell anybody what what they should take or not take my from, you know, I don't know your underlying conditions. You got to consult your doctor on these issues. I'm not Dr. Hannity, but I'm I'm reading this. They published. Now they retract this study. I mean, it's outrageous because now we go back and we see in interviews more than a dozen doctors who work with this guy trained with him in residency, said he was had often been found to be an unreliable physician who seemed less interested in patient care than in, in the medical journal he founded and his company. 
branded early on as a medical publishing business. You could not trust what he said. They quoted the former chief resident who worked with this guy at Duke University Medical Center. You would verify everything that he, he did and take everything he did with a grain of salt. His performance there in a later fellowship at University of Texas Health Science Center raised questions about whether he should be permitted to move to the next level of training. You know, his, uh, he left his job in a community hospital in Chicago where he'd worked as a surgeon named a defendant in three medical malpractice lawsuits, according to court records. And a uh, spokeswoman deems any lawsuit to be unfounded. New York Times, who I don't particularly like, actually had a moment of, of somewhat fair rationale here. The guy didn't want to be interviewed for the article. And then they pointed out during, you know, his years that, um, you know, everybody that worked with him didn't didn't like him. One Well, one person, an advisor, said he's very bright, very quick, apparently got a college degree at 19. Okay, you got to be smart to do that. I'll give you credit for there. But then also told people he was in law school. That turned out apparently not to be true. His behavior at North Carolina Hospital worried colleagues, physicians who work with him. In many of these interviews, 12 people speaking to the paper because, you know, they're not authorized to talk to the media broad concerns from inside the department. In other words, the mob and the media went with this thing. This is about people's health. I'm not saying to take it or not take it. I'm just saying you don't politicize it, which because Trump likes it, oh, we can't we can't go with this. If you look at the journal uh, for of the journal Internal Medicine, this is the one that Dr. Oz is is as uh, quoted many times on this show. Conclusion among patients, COVID-19, older age male, being uh, male, hypertension, bunch of other underlying conditions were associated with increased hospital mortality and hydroxychloroquine use was associated with a decrease in hospital mortality. They go through all the signs. We can put it up on our website if you like. Then, of course, now the Henry Ford study, large scale retrospective analysis and there have been other ones now around the world as, as well. And um, that certainly, you know, go with what was said by Dr. Wallace. If he says the risks are nil, okay, why does Dr. Joy Behar and Dr. Fake News CNN and Dr. Fake News NBC, you're going to die. It's not what he said. He's 42 years. I doubt he'd put his reputation on the line that way. If, in fact, he uh, believed otherwise. Anyway, they did this large study with Henry Ford Center. And what it says is it cut hydro- it cut the death rate significantly, especially when used early. That was there. And by the way, the findings highly analyzed, peer reviewed and co-authored a lot of things at the Henry Ford uh, Center. We attribute our findings that differ from other studies to early treatment. Combination of interventions were done in support of care. What does this all mean? I'm not saying that you should or shouldn't take hydroxychloroquine. If God forbid you get this, I am saying that it got politicized again. And when you were given inaccurate information by the mob in the media, and this now seems to be a pattern, you know, even when it comes to saving lives, I don't understand the urgency that is lacking in Portland and Chicago and Seattle. In New York City, I don't get it. If if you have the the premier foremost expert in on this medicine, 
who's been prescribing it for 42 years, saying this. Why did he get little to no attention? Because it's a narrative that the media didn't want. Now, maybe they're getting better results with remdesivir, and I'm happy if that's the case. The good news is we're making progress on therapeutics. We're making progress on a vaccine. We've never broken down the sequence of a virus in six weeks like we did here. We're now in final phase trials, thanks to Moderna. We got AstraZeneca working. We got, you know, Pfizer on it. All these other, you know, other studies going on around the world showing hope and signs that this thing is going to die and we're going to kill it and we're going to win. Which, by the way, is what I predicted early on would happen because I believe in medical research. Our scientists, our medical professionals, our experts. We saw how brave they were at the height of all of this. They're amazing. You know, I also was an early advocate. Wear the mask. Okay. Wear the mask. It's, if the CDC said 10 days ago it's gone in, in four to eight weeks. If everyone just does it, if you can't social distance. Not ideal, but if it means baseball, football, and life back to normal, I'll do it. And means that I protect grandma, grandpa, or not mine. Mine are not here, nor are my parents here. I don't want to get anyone else's parents or grandparents sick. That's what I say. Hydroxychloroquine given early help coronavirus patients. Help save lives. Cut the death rate significantly wow you wouldn't know that if you watched anyone else in the media sad you wouldn't think there's any violence either jim jordan a rock star today and uh i gotta tell you i you see the democrats for who they are here they it's amazing how they speak with one voice one talking point they hate this attorney general because this attorney general is pledged to get to the truth the idea, are you, you're creating violence in the streets by sending, no, the violence existed. Donald Trump has not sent troops anywhere that nobody has asked, but he is protecting federal buildings, which he has an obligation and a duty to do, especially when they're not doing it. But what they really hate is what's coming. What they really hate, and it was a beat down by Jim Jordan that was devastating today. Uh, at some point in the program, we'll play the whole thing. We'll play some portions of it. It was a chapter in verse of the biggest abuse of power corruption scandal. Their great fear is that Barr has it all. And most of it now, or a lot of it, is in the public domain because we've broken a lot of it. Here with our beautiful, incredible, hardworking radio, TV team, ensemble cast of characters that I have too many to mention, but too few for the American people, considering they were lied to by the state-run media mob, and uh, nothing but the propaganda arm of all things democratic, radical, socialist, anarchy, and uh, lack of safety, security, and horrible educations in their cities. That's a preview of coming attractions. When you get Bolshevik Bernie, you get Joe, Nancy, you get Chucky, you get Bozo, and then AOC's Green New Deal he's pledging trillions to. That's our future. That one word, that's why they're after you, Mr. Attorney General. 15 months ago, April 10th, 2019, in a Senate hearing, you said this sentence, quote, I think spying on a political campaign is a big deal. Spying on a political campaign is a big deal. It sure is. And since that day, since that day, when you had the courage to state the truth, they attack you. They've been attacking you every since, every day, every week for simply stating the truth that the Obama-Biden administration spied on the Trump campaign. One year ago, New York Times headline said this. One year ago, 
quote, FBI sent investigator posing as assistant to meet with Trump aide in 2016. The FBI sent a young lady who used the name Azra Turk to meet Papadopoulos in September of 2016. They sent someone pretending to be someone else to meet a person associated with the Trump campaign. You know what they call that? You know what they call that? Spying. One month later, October 2016, they used the dossier to spy on Carter Page. The salacious, unverified dossier, Jim Comey's words, not mine. They took it to the FISA court, didn't tell the courts that the Clintons paid for it, didn't tell the court that the guy who wrote the document, Christopher Steele, had already communicated to the Justice Department that he was, quote, desperate to stop Trump from getting elected. And guess what? There were 15 more lies that they told the court. 17 in total, they're outlined by the Inspector General, each and every one of them in his 400-page report. But guess what? Chairman Nadler refuses to allow Mr. Horowitz to come here and testify and answer our questions about the 17 lies the Obama-Biden administration told to the secret court. I mean, amazing day by uh, Jim Jordan. You know, it's I know watching this, it has frustrated many of you. It's frustrated me. They ask questions and then Bill Barr, uh, 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 reclaiming my time. Recla- I mean, it's madness. Um, they the the talking point of the Democrats was clear. You're doing everything to help Donald Trump get elected. Doesn't matter everything that Barr has said. It doesn't matter that he said that it's the exact opposite of what the truth is. Truth doesn't matter anymore in the world of these radical extreme Democrats. It does not. Uh, I don't care if it's on the issue of safety and security or on what all of the things that Jim Jordan outlined that we have spent years on in this program exposing. And that is, yes, they did protect Hillary Clinton from charges of the Espionage Act. And she did delete subpoenaed emails and bleach bid and hammers. She paid for the dirty Russian misinformation dossier that was never, ever verifiable. Now we have the subsource confirming all of it. Now we know that all of them were warned. In, at first, they were setting up Flynn and the president on Operation Crossfire Hurricane as early as August of 2016. When they sent in an agent, not for the purposes of briefing the candidate, Donald Trump, on, on defense issues, foreign policy issues. Nope, they did it to, as a ruse. Why? Because they wanted to find out if they're going to talk about Russia. And General Flynn was there. And yep, they used the unverifiable, phony Russian disinformation dossier they were warned not to use. Not once, twice, three, but four times. That's a year off of Carter Page's life. His constitutional rights, civil liberties demolished. To spy on a candidate, a transition team, and deep into the Trump presidency. The, they lied to a court, premeditated fraud. The top of a FISA warrant says verified. It never was verifiable, and they knew it, and they were told, and they knew overwhelmingly so when they spoke to the subsource in January of 2017, three separate occasions later in March. And now we watch Strzok, and, and he's out there with this other group of, you know, everybody's having their payday. Pretty arrogant people. Strzok's got his book coming out, Page, and MSDNC, and Weissman's got a book, and he's now working for MSDNC, Clapper for Fake News, CNN. He apparently has a book coming out as well. Uh, oh, I guess he published the book. Not that anyone paid attention. John Brennan over at, where is he, MSDNC. Apparently, he's writing a book, too. 
We know about Comey, a higher loyalty. He lied to Donald Trump when he said it was salacious and unverified. That was January 6th. January 5th, he was in the Oval with Biden and Obama and Susan Rice and Sally Yates and Jim Comey. And that's when they talked about the, the Logan Act, according to Peter Strzok. That's when uh, Obama knew more about the Flynn Kislyak calls than she knew and was shocked that he knew all of it and that she realized that something was amiss. And as Jordan points out, once we got the House Intelligence Committee hearing uh, interviews that they did behind closed doors, we found out all of them said under oath and on the record that with no evidence of any Trump-Russia collusion. We know that Strzok and Comey, they also knew that. Never should have. We never should have dragged the country through this. You know, all of them. And that is where their real anger and angst comes as it relates to Bill Barr. Now they're questioning him. Well, why do you have 108? Donald Trump's not sending in the people that would be needed to stop the six weeks of violence that's never ending. 60 plus days, uh, more than six weeks in Portland and then Seattle and Chicago and New York City and the murder and the mayhem. And Barr takes them to rip them to shreds. Because they all went along with the mob and the media with lies, distortions, misinformation, pro Russian propaganda, all of it. Because they had a political agenda that they all share. Smears, sly, libel, sand, slander, you name it, all involved. They Conspiracy theories and a hoax. It was an attempted coup is what it was. Barr condemning the grave abuses. Now it's a matter of holding them accountable. Based on what we have on the record, I would think that this is now fi final, in its final stages. We, don't have, we have another election in 98 days. We need to know what happened before the last election and who was responsible. Because as Jim Jordan said, spying on a political campaign is a big deal. The lies outlined by, by Jim Jordan and Michael Horowitz in the IG report, 17 total. 56 or seven sub uh, sub lies, you know, associated with it. You know, no basis to start this investigation. They said it. Rice said it. Yates said it. Clapper said it. Strzok said it. Even Comey knew it and said it in that January 5th meeting, according to Strzok's notes. They were killing that investigation into Michael Flynn. No evidence of any Trump-Russia collusion. The only one that colluded... Well, two people. You got the congenital liar, compromised congenital liar, Adam Schiff, and all his lies that he told the American people. And then Hillary Clinton's bought and paid for dirty Russian disinformation dossier used as 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 fraud on a FISA court for their attempt to help elect Hillary, defeat Donald Trump. But the insurance plan was in place and they came pretty damn close. Sadly, Do you believe in freedom and liberty and the Constitution and the rule of law. Yeah, we better get this part straight or we're not going to have a country. That is just a fact. Anyway, so much to get to today. So much happening. 98 days. Buckle up. Because I'm going to tell you right now, uh, this is going to be a rocky road. It's not going to be. It's going to be an emotional roller coaster. And there's nothing that's not going to be said or done to slander, smear, and besmirch, and, and push the agenda. They, they're denying the truth that there's even violence in these cities. By the way, Carter Page has returned, uh, retained Lynn Wood.
I have Charles Harder and Lynn Wood retained for me. Uh, stay tuned. Anyway, Carter Page has Lynn Wood, the great attorney from the Georgia, Richard Jewell case. He's representing Nicholas Sandman. And uh, I'm glad that Carter Page has retained Lynn Wood because I don't think there's anybody better. Him and Charles Hart are the two best by far. And I guarantee you there's no way that Lynn Wood settled for a nominal sum as he pushed back on Twitter with fake news people yesterday. Never happening. Not with all the overwhelming evidence. He's not a public figure like Sean Hannity where you can pretty much say anything with impunity. He's a citizen, you know, and, and that, that whole standard that exists for public figures is obscene, but that's a separate issue. Times v. Sullivan. We'll save that for another day. What do we have over the weekend? What, 59 cops hurt and the mob in the media denying that violence? What do we see last night? A thousand people, federal officers, you know, they're protecting the federal buildings the way it should be protected, not the way the the city council in Seattle and some of these other cities refuse to stop the violence and, and protect innocent people in their cities and towns. DOJ, 236 people arrested in riots. Many in the media keep telling us are peaceful. 74 arrests in Portland, uh, Portland, 60 defendants charged nationally, 236 arrests, 60 defendants charged. U.S. Attorney in Oregon, 22 people arrested facing federal charges for their roles in weekend protests. It was a riot this weekend. It wasn't a protest. It wasn't peaceful. Justice Department showed the contraband, gasoline, hockey sticks, defense shield, leaf blowers, paint, uh, sprayers, paint cans with paint, jars prepped with Molotov cocktails confiscated by federal law enforcement. It's all there if the mob ever wanted to show the their audience, but they have no interest in being honest and truthful or seeking fairness or balance of any kind. Media calling the protest peaceful, 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 peaceful. It's like these idiots in this committee all day today. You're doing this to help Donald Trump. Yes or no? Okay, don't answer. Reclaiming my time. It's frustrating to watch. I mean, whoever wants to serve in any of these positions is beyond me at this point. Peaceful crowds, as as acting secretary to Home, Department of Homeland Security, Chad Wolf said, don't commit federal crimes. They don't injure federal officers. They don't blind federal officers with lasers. And they're portraying this as peaceful and sweet and wonderful. It's just the opposite. Joe Biden buying into this crap. Joe Biden now going harder left than any candidate in the history of this country. AP reported embedded, embedded with federal police recounts an eye-opening experience. That might be called the truth. I spent the weekend inside the Portland Federal Courthouse with U.S. Marshals. Mortars were being fired off repeatedly. Fireworks, flares shot into the lobby, frozen bottles, concrete cans, bouncy balls, regularly whizzed over the fence at high speeds. I watched as injured officers were hauled inside. In one case, commercial fireworks came over so fast that... The officer didn't have time to respond. It burned through his sleeve and he had bloody gashes on both forearms. Another had concussion from being hit in the head with a mortar. The light inside the courthouse had to be turned off for safety. The light from high powered lasers bounced across the lobby almost all night. The fear is palpable. Three officers stuck struck in the last few weeks still have not regained their vision. 
Officers outside the Portland courthouse have been hit by an array of objects, canned food, ball bearings fired from slingshots. A DHS officer was soaked completely in orange paint thrown at one of the many paint cars later seized by authorities. It's clear the tactical decisions this weekend were very well thought out. Even after a large hole was cut in the fence on Saturday night, they made a decision not to go out because it would escalate tension. These are the professional law enforcement. New York editorial says this Portland disease is spreading. It's going to spread for 98 days. 98 days of madness and sanity. Editorial board, New York Post, what's going on in the City of Roses is, in, is inspiring more mayhem, the lack of response across the country, encouraging more rabble-rousing. If mayors don't want the feds coming in to clean up their cities, how about they start doing it themselves? It's unbelievable. We have to burn it to the ground. Ami Horowitz, that's what one of the protesters said we had him on yesterday, calling for an end of the American experiment. We have to burn it down. How does this protect human life? Moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas and, and children. How many more kids are going to get killed? Idiot Mayor Ted Wheeler of Portland calling for an immediate meeting with the Department of Homeland Security. There's 100 officers there. Been going on for six weeks. They weren't there. Seattle Mayor, you know, these two dopey mayors, along with dopey de Blasio, along with a dopey mayor in Chicago, claiming Trump's responsible for riots in the city. And his offer for federal assistance is a dry run for martial law. More conspiracy theories, more madness. These mayors blasting the president. Like, really? Mayor Wheeler, Mayor Lightfoot, Kansas City Mayor Lucas, Albuquerque Mayor Keller, Seattle Mayor Durkin. D.C. Mayor Bowser, look at this. Chicago murders up 51% year-to-date. Shooting incidents, 47% year-to-date. Kansas City, 39%. Washington, D.C., yeah, they're up 19% plus. New York City, up a whopping, what, 250%, I believe, I read today. Unbelievable. Do we not care about these things? Because this is all on the ballot 98 days. The mob won't tell you. Mob doesn't care. Mob is nothing but propaganda and state-run television. I mean, state-run media mob. That's what we have in this country. And after he finished utterly humiliating his first attorney general, he found you. In your time at the department, you have aided and abetted the worst failings of the president. The message these actions send is clear. In this Justice Department, the president's enemies will be punished, and his friends will be protected, no matter the cost, no matter the cost to liberty, no matter the cost to justice. Finally, and perhaps most perniciously, the department has placed the president's political needs over the public health by challenging stay-at-home orders in the states hit hardest by the pandemic. In this moment, real leadership would entail de-escalation, collaboration, and looking for ways to peaceably resolve our differences. Instead, you used pepper spray and truncheons on American citizens. You did it here in Washington. You did it at Lafayette Square. You expanded to Portland. And now you are projecting fear and violence nationwide in pursuit of obvious political objectives. Shame on you, Mr. Barr. Can I just say, Mr. Shame on you. Very few jurisdictions had grand juries that were open. 
No grand jury. I think the reason is because it was really skinny. It was not your focus. Your focus was more to let out friends like Roger Stone and Paul Manafort, while Tamir Rice, whose case has not been taken up, was playing with a toy gun, was killed by police at the age of 12. Breonna Taylor was sleeping in her apartment when she was killed by police at age 26. And Rashad Brooks, 27, was killed just for sleeping uh, in his car in a Wendy's parking lot. And George Floyd, from Houston, Texas, known as a humble man, was murdered in the streets of Minneapolis crying, I can't breathe. Uh, I would hope that the DOJ would focus on systemic institutional racism. Unidentified armed federal agents violently attacked demonstrators in a violation of the First Amendment's freedom of assembly and arrested citizens without individualized suspicion in a violation of the Fourth Amendment's protection against unreasonable searches and seizures and a warrant requirement. You've gone through the Fifth Amendment and due process and just negated it. And the Tenth Amendment, which leaves general policing to the law enforcement, to the states, has been forgotten. Maybe what happened was your secret police were poorly trained, just like your Bureau of Prisons guards were poorly trained and allowed the most notorious inmate in our nation's last several years, Jeffrey Epstein, to conveniently commit suicide. Sad. You misled Congress and the American people about special counsel Mueller's findings with your quote summary, unquote, of his report. Thank you, uh, General Boyer. Your opening statement reads like it was written by Alex Jones or Roger Stone. All right, that was the shift show, the same cast of characters, the same character assassination, the same lies repeated, regurgitated, all political you have to see and hear all of this through the prism of 2016, uh, the 20, the, the, the election uh, based on 2016. Now the re-election in 98 days, hopefully of Donald Trump. This is all they care about. They are they are denying simple, obvious facts and truth. They are attacking this attorney general for two reasons. One, that he is doing his job as it relates to the biggest corruption and abuse of power scandal in history. I'll play this maybe at the bottom of the next half hour, but I mean, Jim Jordan had a rant that was five millions, five minutes of pure brilliance today. And Bill Barr had to sit there and every time he tried to answer that question, he said, uh, uh, reclaiming my time, interrupt and not then just shut him down. The only time he ever got to talk is when a Republican was there. I see Joe Biden taking reporter questions because now he's getting hammered again for 29 days since the last time. With the teleprompter in front of him, call, is he calling out the names again of the people like he did the last time? In order? Amazing. Uh, Greg Jarrett, John Solomon have both been amazing. They have exposed the truth of the Russian lie, hoax, witch hunt, all of which has been proven to be correct. All of it. We await the Durham report. We have an attorney general committed, as he said today, to the rule of law, equal justice. Equal application of our laws. If that is true, based on what is now public knowledge, we have enough information to get the indictments of pretty much all of the names that we mention on a regular basis, you know, that are now either contributors of fake news CNN or MSDNC or writing their books like Peter Strzok. <laughs> that's, that's not a joke. Anyway, John Solomon, editor-in-chief, justthenews.com. Greg uh, Jarrett, Fox News legal analyst, author of two bestsellers, number one New York Times bestseller, Witch Hunt, and uh, also uh, his great book on uh, hoax, his follow-up book. Did I get that right? Yeah, I did get it right. Anyway, welcome both of you. Uh, you're watching this today. Uh, Greg Jarrett, 
from a legal point of view, I think Jim Jordan basically laid out the arguments for an indictment with all the overwhelming evidence uh, that's now incontrovertible that Durham already has that's in the public domain. Why are we waiting? Well, I think uh, Jordan did, as he always does, laid out facts and evidence. And, uh, you know, it's compelling. It's overwhelming. And I think uh, Durham is armed with the same evidence and facts. And I think in the end, there will be an indictment. I look forward to, to reading the contents of them, which I think will expose the truth of abuse of power and corruption. You know, and Bill Barr, I, I commend him today. He, I mean, he sat there. He probably felt like uh, Mad Max in Thunderdome. And, you know, Democrats, one after another, playing the part of Master Blaster. And, you know, they, it was insulting. It was embarrassing. I, you know, I hope that most Americans, especially young people, didn't see it. Uh, be, because, you know, it was a lesson in uh, discourtesy, uh, and it was just shameful and, and totally embarrassing. Your take of uh, these uh, this witch hunt proceedings today, John Solomon? Listen, it, it, it wasn't an oversight hearing, which is unfortunate, because there's lots of issues that need to be overseen in the Justice Department, particularly in the aftermath of the FBI-Russia collusion hoax. What this was was a giant three, four, five-hour campaign ad for Democrats to go out and get their base excited. But sadly, I think, you know, American people have to choose. Who are they going to believe? Are they going to believe the party that put Michael Cohen on the stand only to have him lie? Were they going to believe the party that gave us the Adam Schiff show that with so many false allegations over three years? Or are they going to believe a guy who has a, a 30, 40-year record of government service who, despite an extraordinary political pugilism today, kept his cool showed dignity, and tried to answer things based on the law. And I think there's a stark contrast. Which party do you want in this election? They laid it out today. The, the Democrats called these violent protests, these violent riots, First Amendment-protected peaceful protests. I think the people who've been in these cities, who had their cars burned, their officers attacked, and their buildings uh, disgraced or, or defaced, they think otherwise. And I think that the, today was a very stark contrast to the difference between the two parties. I I agree. I think that's the best line of the day. The campaign ad for the Democratic uh, Party, the entire shift show that went down here today, the same group of liars. We got to get to the bottom of all of this here. Um, first of all, Donald Trump is not sending in federal troops, Greg Jarrett, that have taken over these cities. And no, they're doing what they are actually lawfully not only entitled to do, but responsible to do. And that's protect federal property. President yeah. is begging these mayors to accept the help to restore law and order and safety and security. They refuse. They seem to care more about being uh, scoring cheap political points against Donald Trump than they do about keeping their own citizens safe. That's sad. Well, and the distinction you just drew is a very important one. The president would be entitled to send federal troops in. Uh, he has a constitutional duty uh, to protect citizens especially when uh, cities and mayors uh, fail to do so or refuse to do so, and in fact encourage and egg on uh, some of the uh, violent demonstrations. Uh, you know, we've seen root, uh, looting, arson, assault, battery, shootings, uh, you know, and the president has actually been very cautious and prudent. He has used federal agents from various departments to protect federal property. Uh, and, and I hope it doesn't get to the point where he does have to f send in federal troops, but 12 different presidents have used federal troops 
under these circumstances, uh, Donald Trump is actually, you know, sort of the exception here. He would have been merited to do so. Instead, he is using federal agents to protect federal property, federal citizens, and protecting against federal crimes. If it gets worse, he'll have to send in federal troops. He's entitled to do so. Your take, John Solomon. Greg has it right. I mean, the attorney general was very precise about what these federal forces are doing in these cities. They're protecting the federal courthouses, the federal buildings. That is a federal responsibility. The marshal service protects the courthouse on a normal day, and it's doing so now in the face of escalating violence. I think the attorney general did a good job of debunking the idea that there was some invasion of the cities. These are narrow targeted security forces designed to protect the federal government's property and they wouldn't be they wouldn't need to be there if the mayors could do their job but instead the mayors are in some of these cities fanning the violence encouraging the violence joining in in the violence in the chaos and uh, that's why you need these federal forces to do their job they've emasculated a lot of these police departments they don't even have the non-lethal tools that they used to be able to use and i think that's what's concerning a lot of folks these things will spiral out of control without the federal help that's been put there. But right now, limited. And I think the Attorney General did a good job describing that limitation. Let me ask this question, because you didn't weigh in on the issue of where Durham is. Where do you see it, based on your sources, you've never given up looking? John Solomon. Yeah. Yeah, I feel very confident that there is a widespread, ongoing criminal investigation conducting the sort of activities that you normally see prior to an indictment or a plea deal. Uh, There are witnesses being interviewed. There are documents being gathered. There's uh, cooperation agreements being discussed. And everything seems to be coming to a head, just like where the attorney general said it would, end of summer. Uh, Now, no one will know until a grand jury forewoman or foreman signs on the dotted line. And as we saw in the Roger Stone case, foremen have and, and jurors have their own personal opinions. And in this highly partisan area, you don't know if a grand jury will refuse to hand up an indictment. So we won't know until it happens. But all the work that I'm seeing done right now, all the witnesses I've heard from, there is a widespread, hard-charging criminal investigation designed to, to prosecute those who uh, altered documents, lied before Congress, and conspired together to defraud uh, the FISA court and the Congress with a false Russian narrative. It is, uh, you know, Greg Jarrett, the law, I, I'm, I'm looking at all these people cashing in. Every one of them. I've gone through the list. You've gone through the list. And I know you're analyzing all of this today. I mean, they're making money. There's, a, there's an arrogance that I don't understand. i got 30 seconds in this segment, and then we'll hold you over. Well, you know, lines of pathology, habitual liars do it compulsively, and they seek to profit from their corruption oftentimes. Peter Strzok, new book coming out. Uh, on top of Andrew McCabe's book, James Comey's now two books, and a mini-series drama. Uh, these are corrupt people who abuse their position of power, and now they want to prosper from their corruption financially, and they're doing it. Americans should reject it. All right, as we continue with uh, Greg Jarrett, John Solomon, we're going to play Jordan's Brilliance at the bottom of this half hour. Uh, let's talk about the new development that, that the steel subsource was a farce. They knew it from the beginning, uh, John Solomon. Yeah, this is a fascinating development, and I think it's going to have uh, uh, long-term consequences to the investigation. We now know that the subsource was not a Russian-based person. That's what the FBI attested to the court. They swore to the court this guy was Russia-based. He was in America. He worked for an American think tank, a liberal think tank. 
His name is Igor Denchenko. And what we know about Igor Denchenko is that he worked at the Brookings Institution. He uh, wrote, co-wrote uh, an article with uh, Fiona Hill, the impeachment witness against Donald Trump, and uh, the collection of people that he's around inside the uh, Brookings Institution, particularly people like Strobe Talbot, who was uh, the head of the, the institution and someone who was peddling the Steele dossier, suggests that there was a group of people that were both creating and peddling this false dossier. He's going to become a very, very important figure as we, as we learn more about what was going on at the, um, the think tank, the, the Brookings Institution. Tick-tock, John. Tick-tock, Greg Jarrett. What do you think? I agree completely with with John. It's not just uh, Strobe Talbot, but his brother-in-law, Cody Shear. I write about him in my book, uh, how he wrote the second dossier, uh, very similar to Steele's dossier, and in fact contributed portions of the Steele dossier. So you've got Hillary Clinton not just paying for the phony dossier, but her allies contributing to its content. Well, I I got to tell you, I think this is huge. Mr. Dorham, it's time. That's uh, we got to get here. I want to thank you both. By the way, Greg Jarrett is doing a 1-hour special interviewing me um as it relates to foxnation.com. We'll give you all the information when we come back next week. All right, I'm going to play Jim Jordan when we get back. Also, we've got I mean it was devastating what he did today. Uh, we'll have Nicole Sapphire, Josh Humber, our medical aid team, weigh in on, oh, the big hydroxychloroquine is failing study, turns out to be phony and fake, and real information contradicts all of it. We'll share that and more as we continue. Buying. That one word. That's why they're after you, Mr. Attorney General. Fifteen months ago, April 10th, 2019, in a Senate hearing, you said this sentence, quote, I think spying on a political campaign is a big deal. Spying on a political campaign is a big deal. It sure is. And since that day, since that day, when you had the courage to state the truth, they attack you. They've been attacking you every since, every day, every week, for simply stating the truth that the Obama-Biden administration <laughs> spied on the Trump campaign. One year ago, New York Times headline said this. One year ago, quote, FBI Senate investigator posing as assistant to meet with Trump aide in 2016. The FBI sent a young lady who used the name Azra Turk to meet Papadopoulos in September of 2016. They sent someone pretending to be someone else to meet a person associated with the Trump campaign. You know what they call that? You know what they call that? Spying. One month later, October 2016, they used the dossier to spy on Carter Page. The salacious, unverified dossier, Jim Comey's words, not mine. They took it to the FISA court, didn't tell the courts that the Clintons paid for it, didn't tell the court that the guy who wrote the document, Christopher Steele, had already communicated to the Justice Department that he was, quote, desperate to stop Trump from getting elected. And guess what? There were 15 more lies that they told the court. 17 in total. They're outlined by the inspector general, each and every one of them in his 400-page report. But guess what? Chairman Nadler refuses to allow Mr. Horowitz to come here and testify and answer our questions about the 17 lies the Obama-Biden administration told to the secret court. The Obama-Biden DOJ opened the investigation in July. They used a secret agent lady to spy on Papadopoulos in August. They lied to the FISA court in September, and they did all this without any basis for launching the investigation to begin with. How do we know that? How do we know there was no basis? They told us. 
Now, they didn't want to tell us, but thanks to Rick Grinnell, who released the transcripts of their testimony, we now know there was no basis for them to start the investigation in the first place. Sally Yates, Rhodes, Samantha Power, Susan Rice. Here's what Susan Rice says. I don't recall intelligence. I would consider evidence of a conspiracy. How about James Clapper? I never saw any direct evidence that the Trump campaign or someone in it was conspiring with the Russians to meddle with the election. Say that again. I never saw evidence that the Trump campaign was conspiring, and yet they investigate him. There was never a proper predicate. So why'd they do it? There was no reason to do it. Why'd they do it? They told us that too. Peter Strzok, August 2016, asked, is Trump going to win? What's his response? Remember, this is Peter Strzok. This is the guy who ran the investigation. No, no, he's not. We'll stop it. August, Peter Strzok says, we'll stop Trump. September, they spy on Papadopoulos. October, they use the fake dossier to lie to the court. But guess what happens in November? Guess what happens in November? November 8th, 2016, the American people get in their way. 63 million of them, to be exact. Not er now everything changes. Now the real focus is, wow, wait a minute. We didn't stop him. He won. Now what do they have to do? They have to do the cover-up. And who do they have to go after? Who's target number one in their cover-up? The former head of the Defense Intelligence Agency, the guy who's about to become national security advisor to the president of the United States, Michael Flynn. They can't have him hanging around because he'll figure it out. So they decide to go after Michael Flynn, three-star general, served our country for over three decades. And we know they went after him because they told us that too. Bill Priestep, head of counterintelligence at the FBI, the day they interview Flynn, January 24, 2017, his notes say what? What's our goal? To get Flynn to lie so we can prosecute him or to get him fired? Think about what the Obama-Biden DOJ, what their administration did in the last month. The last month they were in power. January 4th, the agents investigating Flynn want to drop the case. Comey tells them no. January 5th, they have the now famous meeting in the Oval Office. Obama, Biden, Rice, Comey, all of them are in there. They're plotting their strategy, how they're going to get Flynn. January 6th, Comey goes up to Trump Tower, briefs President-elect Trump on the dossier that they already know is false, just so they can leak it to the press and the press will write the story that they briefed the president on the dossier. And then, of course, January 24th, the day they go set up Michael Flynn, set up Michael Flynn in his interview. Guess what else they did? Guess what else they did between election day and inauguration day? That two-month time, guess what else they did? 38 people, 49 times unmasked Michael Flynn's name. Comey, Clapper, Brennan, Biden, seven people at the Treasury Department unmasked Michael Flynn's name, for goodness sake. And of course, Flynn resigns on February 13th. Flynn resigns on February 13th. Now the cover-up is complete. Flynn's gone. Everything's fine, they think, until May 9th, 2017, when President Trump fires Jim Comey. Now they got a problem again. The guy who was going to keep it all quiet, he's been fired. Now how do they continue the cover-up? Real simple. Jim Comey leaks his memos with the express purpose of getting a special counsel appointed to investigate something they already know is not true. And that's exactly what happened. We get two years, 19 lawyers, 40 agents, 500 witnesses, 2,800 subpoenas, and a 30 million cost to the taxpayer, and they come back with nothing, absolutely nothing. And so all they got left is to attack the attorney general who had the courage to state the truth right from the get-go, the first time he testifies after he's confirmed. 
And you guys attack him every day, every week, and now you've filed articles of impeachment against him. It's ridiculous. He had the courage to do what no one else would do at the Justice Department. Sally Yates wouldn't call it spying. Jeff Sessions wouldn't do it. Rod Rosenstein wouldn't do it. Chris Ray Ray sure as heck isn't going to do it. As promised, I wanted to play that uh, from earlier today. I can't say it any better than he just laid it out today. It was a beatdown. It is a devastating exposure of what is the deep state, the biggest corruption abuse of power scandal ever. I mean, to, to the fact that we were on the front lines with our ensemble cast, I didn't do it alone. People behind the scenes on TV and radio, uh, the people whose names you know, many, I don't like to list them because I always forget a few. There weren't a lot of them in Congress that did the deep dive and the necessary work. And now it's all come full circle. And now we just wait for the Durham report. But, but that doesn't stop all these deep state actors. I mean, he's mentioning everything about Peter Strzok and all the horrific things that he did and said. But Peter Strzok now, oh, yeah, he's got a, a book deal. We know how he abused power. You know, Lisa Page, she's uh, been hired by NBC and conspiracy TV, MSDNC, as their security legal analyst. Uh, you got the Pitbull Weissman architect. Of all of this, clearly the guy in charge, it wasn't Mueller who didn't know what Fusion GPS is. It wasn't Mueller who didn't know that Hillary's lawyer, Jeannie Ray, was on his own team. Mueller who allowed the Strzok and Page phones to be erased when he knew better. And uh, Mueller, you know, frankly, just, a, you know, used by everybody in this whole process and just didn't care to ever get involved enough to get to the truth. You know, you got Weissman now at uh, MSDNC also. He's writing a book on this this witch hunt. And uh, now we have Peter Strzok writing his book, according to the reports out today. And Clapper, yeah, he's over there at Fake News CNN. Unbelievable. John Brennan at MSDNC. Accused of what? He's in the process of writing his memoir. A lot of money to be made if you're a deep state actor. Jim Comey, higher loyalty, really? We know he's a liar. Andrew McCabe, hired by Fake News CNN. He has a book coming out. It's just unbelievable. I'm not against books coming out. Obviously, I got one in a week coming out myself. We have a whole chapter devoted to this. The biggest abuse of power corruption scandal in history. We spent three plus years exposing this when the mob and the media just willing accomplices lie. And now they just want to attack Bill Barr, you know, he's he's looking at the unmatched, all of this corruption he's looking into. Especially, you know, the treatment of people like General Flynn and so many others. It's pretty unbelievable. Uh, you know, Barr on, on arrest, Barr on autonomous zones, they, they, they literally, you're doing this to help the president get reelected. They said, there's no violence. Uh-huh. Our eyes deceive us. 59 cops killed, uh, hurt in one city this weekend. We have a list of dead cops we announced earlier in the program today. You know, you have all of this unfolding before the American people. And they want to attack the, the messenger who's exposed it. They've been exposed. And they're scared of the investigation that's coming, or you would think they would be afraid. I, 
My sources tell me they're all lawyered up with every one of the names you, you would hear. With big-name law firms out of Washington, D.C. Where are they getting the money to pay for those big-name lawyers? That'd be interesting to find out. You know, as, as Bill Barr describes the grave abuses in the Russia probe, you know, clearly, you know, going at everything that has happened here. Barr prepared remarks ever since I made clear that I was I was going to do everything I could to get to the bottom of the grave abuses involved in the bogus Russiagate scandal. Many of the Democrats on this committee have attempted to discredit me by conjuring up a narrative that I am simply the president's, you know, factum who disposes of criminal cases according to his instructions. Judging from the letter inviting me to this hearing, that appears to be your agenda today. As I said in my confirmation hearing, the Attorney General of the United States has a unique obligation. He holds in trust a fair and impartial administration of justice. He must ensure there is one standard of justice that applies to everyone equally and that criminal cases are handled even handedly based on the law and the facts without regard to political or personal considerations. And I can tell you I've handled criminal matters that have come to me for decisions in that way. And the president has not attempted to interfere in these decisions. On the contrary, he has told me from the start he expects me to exercise my independent judgment to make whatever call I think is right, which is precisely what I've done. Now we have the subsource in the dossier case. Yeah, that, that dirty dossier, the Russian one that Hillary Clinton bought and paid for. Yeah, guess what? This guy <laughs> literally, uh, you know, we have more headlines about all this today. It's, it's just the whole thing. Should should anger everybody that cares about truth, everyone that cares about the Constitution, everyone that cares about equal justice under the law, equal application of our laws. You know, they're attacking. Well, you're you're only sending troops to protect federal buildings that are being to trying to burn them to the ground to help Donald Trump's reelection. That was their talking point all day today. It's all a lie. You know, they 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 want to politicize in the DOJ. They're, they're now out to get rid of Barr because Barr actually is doing his job and his Barr is representing something called uh, the rule of law. That's what they really don't want. Unbelievable times we're living in, I'm telling you. All right, as we continue on. All right, so we went over and we're going to get back to this whole thing with all of the discussion. You know, Dr. Oz said it best, as I mentioned earlier today. As it relates to hydroxychloroquine, right? What did he say? When politics and medicine intersect, politics always wins. Well, that's not good for anybody. That certainly has not been proven the case here. And now we find out the background of this guy that was involved in this study, and it should shock the conscience and the soul of the American people because the doctor behind this widely touted study uh, was a fraud, and everybody that he had wor ever worked with knew it. But yet the you know, journal for the, you know, uh, for the general internal medicine that came out, they found that, in fact, hydroxychloroquine did help, as did the Henry Ford study. And we told you early on about uh, Daniel Wallace, the, the foremost premier expert on rheumatoid arthritis, lupus, and anti-malarial drug hydroxychloroquine for 42 years, telling us the risk is nil. But that didn't stop people from politicizing it. Anyway, our medical aid team comes and joins us next. We'll update you on that. We'll get your calls in last half hour. Uh, the program, 800-941-SeanHannity.com. One week from today, we release Live Free or Die, America and the World on the Brink. Hannity.com, Amazon.com, soon bookstores everywhere.
I'm not sure that we can take it to the bank that he's actually been taking this drug because he says he's been taking it. He's told 18,000 lies and counting. But I guess the bigger question is, why did he say that at all? Well, I think, Nicole, I think there's a, first of all, I think there's a high probability, not just because of the fact that the president's a pathological liar, but because of the fact that he is not a complete idiot in the sense that he's heard what's been, what has been determined now about the dangers of taking this drug. I think there's a high probability that he's really not taking the drug. And I think you would need to have some real evidence to suggest that this is not mm. just another uh, tall tale of his. Let me show you the president of the United States is not taking hydroxychloroquine. He's not taking something that his own administration has said will kill you, that his own FDA said will kill you, that the VA said will kill you. What exactly did President Trump say? He's he's taking hydroxychloroquine? Uh, Yeah, Jake, uh, President Trump has repeatedly touted this drug, but he just announced uh, moments ago for the first time that he himself has actually been taking hydroxychloroquine for the last week and a half. And the president says that he's taking it essentially as a prophylaxis to try and prevent getting the disease in the future, uh, despite the fact that there is so far no uh, uh, substantive medical evidence to back up the fact that it works uh, not only as a treatment, but uh, all the more as a prophylaxis. Did you just say that you took the hydrochloroquine? I'm not, my sound is a little weird. Yes, I took it. Wow. I I can't believe anybody with a brain would take that stuff, but you seem like an intelligent guy. You're a representative in Congress. Why would you take that drug? There are terrible consequences. Yeah, there's Dr. Joyless Behar. We'll listen to her advice on this. You know, I mentioned earlier, and by the way, glad you're with us, News Roundup and Information Overload Hour. Uh, The foremost expert, all things hydroxychloroquine, 42 years in practice, quote, no patient of mine has ever been hospitalized for uh, hydroxychloroquine uh, complication. This, of course, uh, Dr. Daniel Wallace, who is out of uh, Cedar sinai in Los Angeles, and he's a, you know, he inherited the largest lupus practice in the U.S., uh, literally now has been prescribing this for 42 years, 400 peer-reviewed papers about lupus, rheumatoid arthritis, uh, also has written extensively on anti-malarials. Nobody knows anything more about hydroxychloroquine than this man. And what did he say to us back in on April 6, 2020, when this was first coming up? Oh, the danger, the risk, the danger. The risk of taking 400 milligram hydroxychloroquine a day following a single loading dose of 600 milligrams, 30, 60 days, which, by the way, nobody was doing. At most, they were doing 14 days that I had heard. He said the risk is nil, his words, unless one has an allergic rash or upset stomach from uh, from it. In other words, a rash or a stomach, there's the risk. And then he goes, you know, goes on to point out this drug's been around 65 years not one patient of mine has ever been hospitalized. Well, now we have the the studies that have come in, and as it relates to the Journal of General Internal Medicine, what is their key result? Oh, it was actually very good. And that is they concluded that patients with COVID-19, older age, male sex, hypertension, uh, and other, other impaired renal uh, function, elevated... And they said hydroxychloroquine use was associated with decreased in hospital mortality. That's the one study. Then there's the famous Ford study where they basically cut the mortality by half. Now, then there was, we learned just recently that you have this one doctor. Remember this big study that everybody was quoting. 
Turns out he had his college degree at 19, medical school graduate with a Ph.D. at 27. He's the one that got the most, you know, with his study that he put out there that, you know, reporting that hydroxychloroquine were linked to increased deaths. Everybody in the mob and the media cited. Well, it turns out there's not a single person that he ever worked with that trusted anything that he ever said as it related to medicine and has a history of saying things about him and himself that that is absolutely false and not true. But that's that's when the intersection again of politics, as Dr. Oz has always said, and science and medicine, well, politics will always win. All right, here to weigh in on all of this, Dr. Nicole Sapphire. She's a board-certified radiologist, New York City, Fox News medical contributor, best-selling book, Make America Healthy Again, How Bad Behavior, Big Government Cost caused a trillion-dollar crisis. Our friend, Dr. Josh Umber, he's the one that has now duplicated his incredible uh, concierge medical service, 50 bucks a month for adults, uh, now almost 1,000 places around the country. He's out of uh, Wichita, Kansas. Amazing practice he's built. Great alternative to the failure of Obamacare. Thank you both for being with us. Absolutely. Thanks for having us on. Uh, hydroxychloroquine given early help save lives. True or false, Nicole Sapphire? Well, listen, Sean, there are always opposing views in medicine. And as physicians and scientists, we know that things will work differently in different people. And while I have a handful of my friends and colleagues that tell me, given early on, they have seen some effectiveness, I have another handful saying that it doesn't work and they've actually seen some side effects. So the jury is still out. However, Sean, I have to say, while we don't have the quantitative data giving us conclusion on this medication, anecdotal data and qualitative data cannot be silenced. So I don't know is the answer. There are several studies that show that it doesn't work. A lot of these have been in the hospital, people already who are not faring very well. There has not been that robust study that we've really been looking for on outpatient and early intervention. I'm still waiting on that. So, no, I, I can't say one way or the other. There, in my opinion, no one can at this point. There is no strong conclusion. Do you agree with Dr. Daniel Wallace that the risk is nil? I think the risk with hydroxychloroquine is exceedingly low. That doesn't mean that it is zero, but I do believe it is exceedingly low. I don't know anybody, Dr. Umber, that has more qualifications uh, or a greater understanding. 400 peer-reviewed papers. He wrote the principal textbook on lupus, past chairman of the Lupus Foundation of America, the Rheumatoid Research Foundation, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, has authored numerous articles on anti-malarials and is prescribing this drug for 42 years. And he says not a patient of his has ever been hospitalized for a complication. Uh, if, if again, I, we don't, we, we now have the Ford study and the other study I just cited saying that, yeah, anecdotally, we see that it worked. I haven't seen one report that's credible that showed people died or risking their life. Have you? Um, no. <clears throat> well, to echo Dr. Sapphire, I think an excellent way of putting it is science is complicated, and we continue to march through this process um, to find the right answer. Um, the uh, you know, class of medications, the statins for cholesterol, arguably behind antibiotics, the single most effective medicine we've ever made. The author, as a, uh, the founding scientist, has a great quote that all great ideas fail through, uh, die three deaths before their time, um, and, and that medicine was one of them. I, I think th these medicines are, are kind of following an interesting path where, uh, yes, historically, these are incredibly safe. Um, medically, I'm, uh, I'm not required to do any sort of 
pre-EKG, pre-testing for patients on these medicines. Azithromycin, probably one of the most prescribed antibiotics to the point that we got resistance to it and prescribed for common colds when it wasn't as helpful, but with uh, uh, such a high volume of usage, uh, we can track its safety record. Uh, medications like the Plaquenil for malaria, we use with impunity because we understand that the risk of malaria far outweighs any uh, minor textbook side effect risk uh, for the Plaquenil. Um, so did, did we find, to- though, in countries that, that did prescribe that have uh, malaria as a big problem and where there was more widespread use of hydroxychloroquine, I never got an answer whether or not they were less susceptible to COVID, which would then, if we're true, would, would talk about potential prophylactic qualities it may have as it relates to contracting the virus. Well, it would be interesting. I mean, some of those countries uh, don't have the same public health systems in place. Uh, some of those countries, uh, Plaquenil is available over the counter, so you wouldn't necessarily be able to track uh, prescriptions through it as well. Um, and uh, and no, but then if it's environmental uh, effects or if it's the medicine, but we're we're seeing some areas that uh, are not nearly as affected uh, as, as others. You know, I said this. Doc- there was actually yeah, an, an article. An article did come out in the Lancet earlier this month, I believe, um, that demonstrated patients with rheumatic disease who were taking hydroxychloroquine had a lower risk of COVID-19 infection other, um, when compared to the other rheumatic patients taking different... You mean rheumatoid arthritis, now. right? Correct? Correct. It, it, yes, I'm sorry, rheumatoid arthritis. So the people who had remote rheumatic or some autoimmune disease, it's not only for rheumatic um, arthritis, any autoimmune disease who are taking hydroxychloroquine. What was, the, what, was the, what was the Lancet <laughs> study's conclusion on in terms of the percentage of people that were less likely to uh, contract the virus? Well, I don't remember the exact specifics off the top of my head right now, but I can just tell you again, as you're looking at these small studies, they are all flawed. And I can pick apart every single study that shows hydroxychloroquine is working, as well as the ones that are saying it's not working right now, because truly it's the more long-term randomized control studies that will offer us the best data. Um, There was some data that just came out this week from a randomized control study from Brazil, um, published in the New England Journal of Medicine, um, that is unfortunately not showing a lot of benefit to hydroxychloroquine. But again, this is in, high, in hospitalized patients. And when you are hearing the, uh, the physicians who are really pushing for hydroxychloroquine, they are pushing it for more on an outpatient basis on, on earlier intervention, not necessarily the later intervention. So in other words, when they're hospitalized, uh, and this, I think, was the flaw in the VA study, at least my interpretation. Again, I'm not a doctor. I say it often on radio and TV, but... My interpretation of that is like the VA study. Oh, here's a here's a Hail Mary pass. After nothing else worked, try it now. At that point, they're saying that that's not when it will most benefit people. It will be early, early on, as soon as you find out you have it. Um, I guess I'll ask you both this question based on everything I've read and what I know. I absolutely would take it if I were to contract the virus. I'd take it immediately. Dr. Umber. Uh, yeah, I'm cautiously optimistic, um, you know, relative to the risk uh, and, and the benefit. By the way, I'm not telling uh, people what to do. I'm just saying what right. I would do based on my understanding. And, and people have to make their own decisions. They have their own underlying conditions they have to consult with their doctor about. You know, in, in Kansas, um, uh, our, our 
youngest death is 29 years old. So we have a 0.0% mortality in children. Uh, 24 states have not reported a pediatric death. So in some populations, and for reasons that we're, we're kind of learning more about, it does not seem to affect them nearly as much. Young, healthier adults, so I would caution against the rush to doctors to get prophylactic medicine because that creates supply chain issues. No, I was talking about um, if I contracted but, the virus. But yes, I, I mean, I, I think um, there, those are reasonable options to discuss with your doctor, um, short of heart conditions. Um, again, people under 65, 99.9% are going to recover anyway, so it becomes difficult to show which ones would have recovered on their own mm-hmm. and which ones benefited from the medicine without larger studies. But we already know the medications are safe. We know they're not going to make COVID worse. So uh, we, we do prophylactic things in medicine all the time, and the number needed to treat is, is Let the me, textbook that. Uh, uh, Dr. Sapphire, I'll ask you, based on all you've read and, and you know, would A, would you take hydroxychloroquine if you were found to have contracted the disease yourself? And B, what do you think about the opening of schools? It seems to be working in, what, 22 other countries now. Well, regarding whether I would take hydroxychloroquine myself, I echo what Dr. Umber is saying. One, I myself am in a low-risk population in the sense that I'm a younger adult. I don't have chronic heart or lung disease. Um, So I probably would not take anything preemptively, given as the data tells me that chances are I would recover from a COVID-19 infection without, without severity or complication. However, when it would come to my parents, you know, I would have a strong conversation with their primary care doctor regarding potential prophylactic um, usage. When it comes to when it comes to illnesses where we don't have proven treatments for, I, I'm okay with trying new things. I mean, I, I'm in the cancer business. I am all about throwing everything out and seeing what works. So as long as you know, my parents, my family members don't necessarily have some sort of heart issue, then I think that that would be a conversation to have between my parents and their physician weighing the risk versus benefits. Um, as, as Looking at the data right now, I am not strongly for or opposed to this medication. And again, when I don't have a proven treatment, then at some point I say, hey, we have to give it what we can to prevent mm. death. And now, opening schools? Yeah, we only have a few seconds here. Go schools, I am much more opinionated having three children at home. I am a strong proponent for in-person schools, and I think we have to do everything possible to get those kids back in school. It is good for their long-term physical, mental health, and development. Dr. Umber, schools. Agreed. <laughs> All right, that's a, good, that's a good answer, especially when we're running out of time. Uh, anyway, you know, look, we don't. this is not the perfect answer. We're close to a vaccine. We're close to new therapeutics. We've never broken down the sequence of a virus this quickly. There's a lot of hope. We just want to reduce the number of deaths as, as much as possible. And I just feel that the 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 in- intersection now between politics and medicine is hurting people and that's a problem for me uh we ought to be able to have honest discussions about this will kill you dr joyless behar as if i'm going to trust her uh thank you dr sapphire thank you dr umber when we come back wide open phones as we continue all right 25 till the uh, top of the hour hannity.com amazon.com we'll have some announcements this week we're doing a lot of really cool fun things with the launch one week from today uh you can get your early copy on Hannity.com, Amazon.com. It is the defining book as far as I'm concerned. And it's been a year in the making, and it is as up-to-date as we could possibly make it. We delayed the release of it. It was supposed to come out before the 4th of July um, so we could stay current as possible. 
so that you understand all that's at stake in this election. And it really comes down to, okay, what has made America great? What would keep America great? Our history. It comes down to the, the rise of the radicals. We've seen some of this before, never at this level. We talk at length about what is the, I call it fantasy land, the 2020 Democratic agenda. Again, it's Bolshevik Bernie, Pelosi, Schumer, Biden, 125 years of failure, Ed AOC's new Green Deal, Biden pledging trillions there, Bernie's socialism, have a whole chapter about the failure of socialism. Uh, that's what that, the, the history of this, it is the, the wreckage and carnage, the roadkill of the human experience. No matter what form it's ever taken on, what name it's been given, it's always failed. It will predictably and easily fail here especially coupled with this new Green Deal madness and no oil, gas, or coal, the lifeblood of the world's economy. Promises made and kept, Donald Trump's successes that the mob will never talk about. The enemy is the enemy of the people, the media mob. They don't care about truth. They're never going to tell you the truth. They're even lying to you about the violence in America's big cities. I don't think they did justice by, by their misinformation campaign. They were never balanced on hydroxychloroquine. Trump likes it, we hate it. Just like, oh, they'd, they'd rather pick fights with Donald Trump rather than fight to keep people safe and secure in their cities. And what they've done, you want to know what, what socialism will do to America? Look at America's educational system. Look at Obamacare. Look at the big cities, and they can't even restore law and order and guarantee safety and security for our kids. That's a preview of coming attractions. That's what is at stake in 98 days and earlier by the way, if your state has early voting, we put up an interactive map on Hannity.com. In other words, when early voting starts, how do you do absentee voting? Uh, all the things you need to know. Who's running for the, your congressional district? Would be nice if Pelosi wasn't the speaker. Would be nice to keep Chuck Schumer out of power. It would be an opportunity with the re-election of Donald Trump, if it happens, to actually get this country moving vibrantly and dramatic ways that could show the American people the, the real power of conservatism. Anyway, let's get to our busy phones here. A lot at stake. Hannity.com, Amazon.com. One week from today, we'll have announcements later this week on all of it. Uh, a lot of things I'm doing, I've, I've just never do. But I'm doing them, and I'm doing them with great enthusiasm and, and an appreciation for, for, and for the opportunity given to get this message out. To me, it's critical. To me, it's the tipping point. To me, it's an all-hands-on-deck moment for the country. Uh, let's go to, let's see, Diane is in Pennsylvania. Diane, we're going to be watching Pennsylvania closely in 98 days. I hope we uh, hear fake news CNN. We can now project Pennsylvania has now re-elected Donald J. Trump. Thank you, Sean. That's my vision, too, and thank you for taking my call. Sean, in listening to uh, what I could hear in the hearings with um, Attorney General Barr today, it's, it's like a indicative of and a microcosm of how the so-called Democrats treat Americans, normal Americans who believe in the law, who believe in the Constitution, who believe in the way we live, and, and how they're treating the entire country. And it goes on down into the public and that the media uh, assists them in pushing out the kind of propaganda. I mean, every Democrat I listened to today was actually delivering 
media propaganda. This is the same stuff we've heard in the media. So the people that are listening to them and taking them seriously spread that. And, and that's what we're dealing with. And, and those of us who actually pay attention and know uh, the story, uh, the Russian collusion story, the, uh, the story about Michael Flynn, the story about the um, impeachment, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, it's almost impossible to have discussions with these people because they are so brainwashed. And um, if I could say just one more thing about this, I really feel that they are, um, a, a, what's the word I want to use, a national threat. Our media is a national threat, and I don't know why we're still calling uh, this party Democrats anymore anyway. I think they're, they're Marxists, and so is their media. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. They are treating Barr horribly. They are denying what our eyes are showing us. They are denying simple, basic, fundamental truth. They are literally on the verge of adopting the most radical, dramatic shift in American greatness and exceptionalism. Every, every policy that's made us great, safe, secure, and prosperous will go away. And, and we have been a light, that beacon on a hill. We, we have the, albeit imperfect, no perfect people ever on the face of the earth, but our system of governance has advanced the human condition. Our system of governments has created wealth and prosperity and innovation and invention that nobody even imagined. And it, is, and it has dramatically improved the, the advancement of humankind. And we have a long way to go, but we've come a long way. You can't forget it. A lot at stake, Diane. We're counting on you. We're also counting on North Carolina with Tom. Tom, hi. How are you? Glad you called. Hey, thank you, Sean, for having me on today. God bless you and, Do and Donald Trump for what you are trying to do for us. Um, I spent 23 years in the Air Force, retired 2003, and I took that oath of enlistment six times. It means something to me. And my question is, is you know, the Department of Justice hasn't really gotten involved with the Democratic liberal mayors and governors in these states that are violating our constitutional rights. The McCloskeys have been dealing with it at a higher level than we have. Um, and my question is, there's got to be, is there any other avenue besides voting that we can uh, remove these people? Um, impeachment's definitely not going to work. They've consumed everybody's time and scared them to death uh, trying to do anything outside of living in their homes. Um, is there anything Trump could do? Uh, is there anything for, you know, Congress to do uh, to try to? Uh, yeah, I mean, at some office? point, um, you know, at some point we just got to, you know, say uh, if they can't do their job, won't do their job. And the people of these cities keep reelecting them. I don't know if we can help the people there. But then what about the good, honorable, the, the overwhelming majority of people in these cities that deserve so much better, that deserve safety and security, that deserve a good educational system that they've, they've oh, failed to deliver on? I mean, OK, I mean, I believe that states have, you know, the, the 50 separate experiments. And I believe that the, it's not it's the it is the governor's and it is the mayor's jobs to do these things. It is not the role of the president. Now, the president does have constitutional authority to do it. To do so, it's the Insurrection Act. But even defending federal buildings with 100 federal agents, you're responsible for six weeks of what, which isn't true. There is, an, when it comes to anything Donald Trump, there's a lack of common sense, decency, 
rational thought process. Um, it is a psychosis I've never seen before. Donald Trump lives in their brains. They think they, they have convinced themselves that he's the enemy and we're a smelly Walmart shop shoppers that keep reelect that want to reelect him. But I'll tell you, you know, and it's it scares me that there so seems to be we'll find out in 98 days. So many of them. That part scares me. I don't know about you. I'll give you the last word. Well, it does scare me. Um, and so I just want to say thank you for everything that you've done. Um, and and God bless Trump and this country because we're going to need it. We're going to need it. I'm not disagreeing at all. I think we're going to need it. And you, the people of this country, have the power. Not me. I don't have the power. If I had the power, you know, I would have never voted for Barack Obama. Did everything I could to expose him. And people went the other way. And people went with hope and change and slogans and bumper stickers and ignored the radicalism that was that guided his his upbringing. And and look at what we got. We got mullahs in Iran getting, you know, 150 billion in cash. We got, uh, let's see, 13 million more Americans on food stamps, 8 million more in poverty. The lowest labor participation rate in, in since the 70s. With Trump, we got record low unemployment, every demographic. Uh, we'll be watching Georgia in 98 days. Bruce, how are you? Glad you called, sir. I'm doing great. Thank you. How are you? I'm good, sir. What's happening? Yeah, I'm kind of perplexed with all this rioting and stuff going across the country. Why the sheriffs haven't stepped in to put, put an end to this? The sheriff is the highest elected official in a county. It's their job to enforce constitutional law. Police enforce codes, municipality rules. And I'm, I'm just perplexed why the sheriffs have not stepped up as constitutionally they're required to because they're the ones that protect our un- unalienable rights. You know, I, I, some have. I mean, you heard, for example, I'm sure, the Seattle police chief that I played yesterday. People throughout Seattle need to be aware that the city council ordinance banning the use of less lethal tools, including pepper spray, which is commonly used to disperse crowds that have turned violent, will go into effect this weekend. Yesterday, I sent a letter to city council members that clearly explained the foreseeable impact of this ordinance on upcoming events. And I think it's important that you understand that as well. With the city council ordinance, we hear loudly and clearly that the use of these less lethal tools by SPD officers to disperse crowds that have turned violent have been completely banned by the city council. And the police department will abide by this legislation. This week, some have asked why officers did not arrest individuals who participated in criminal activity. Our officers will always investigate crimes and will make arrests when suspects are identified. As the council's legislation goes into effect this weekend, my hope is that it does not create more dangerous circumstances for our community and our officers should officers have to intervene and stop criminal activity. For these reasons, the Seattle Police Department will have an adjusted deployment in response to any demonstrations this weekend. The council legislation gives officers no ability to safely intercede to preserve property, in the midst of a large and violent crowd. 
Allowing this behavior deeply troubles me. It deeply troubles me. You know, you, 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 heard, you heard her plea, her cry, her desire to help the people of Seattle. But she's saying to businesses and what she's saying to the people of Seattle, the residents there, um, is I cannot in good conscience put my brave police officers because they have now on the streets to protect you because they have now disarmed me and disarmed our police officers. And I don't blame her. It was a cry. It was a plea. It was a it was a a reminder of what the hell is going on here. But I will tell you, for the sake of this country, I hope and I pray and that that we get this election right because Seattle, Portland and New York City, Chicago and all these other liberal cities That is what we call a preview of coming attractions, which is not pretty for the country. I can tell you that part of it. All right, 800-941-SEAN. Thank you for the call. Uh, If you want to be a part of the program, Hannity.com, Amazon.com. Hannity tonight at 9, set your DVR. 9 Eastern, Fox News. we got an incredible show tonight. we got a lot of issues we're covering. Too much to mention now. That's going to wrap things up for today. Now, we have a lot going on tonight. Obviously, the bar hearings. I mean, the Democratic talking point. You're sending federal troops and causing chaos in these liberal cities to help Trump get elected. A hundred federal troops that are protecting federal buildings is hardly enough to restore law and order. I mean, it's just the, the whole premise of it is madness and insanity and ridiculous. So I'll have full coverage of that and also... uh you know, the attacks on bar just, okay, what is the answer to the question? I'm reclaiming my time. Okay. And they just wouldn't let him talk. It's sick. The politicizing of COVID tonight. We will get into that. Biden speaks. That's always an interesting moment. We'll get to that uh, and much, much more. We hope you'll set your DVR every night, 9 Eastern, Fox News. Uh, a lot of announcements coming up this week. As per Live Free or Die, America in the World on the Brink, Hannity.com, Amazon.com, uh, bookstores everywhere, and a lot of fun stuff we're going to do. And I can't wait to see a lot of you. And that's all I can say now. We'll see you tonight at 9. Thanks for being with us. Back here tomorrow.